All right, so uh, I've been told that you're married to a movie star. This podcast is brought to you by Dead Cat. If you guys are not aware, Dead Cat is what powers this podcast. We have studio downtown. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You can find us all over the place. Come check us out. Hang out with us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yes. What? <laughs> okay, real quick. We're going to tell this story because you're also your husband has been on the podcast. Correct. It's about probably like three years ago because we've been back in Paris for that long. Um, so first off, Savannah Hubbard, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Second off, if you haven't, go back and listen to Alan Hubbard's podcast mm -hmm. and you might get a glimpse into some of the things that we don't talk about here. Right. Um, okay, so... Alan was in a, in a movie? In a movie when he was nine years old. What? Correct. What movie yeah. was it? Tender Mercies with oh. Robert Duvall and Tess Harper. Did he get to meet them? He was in the movie. But, well, okay, but I know how <laughs> movies work. You, you're not all, like, the, the main character's he not played, always. Yeah, but he played the son of Robert Duvall, oh, so, so he... I'm sure he spent some time. Oh. In fact, let me tell you this. Robert Duvall called us when we got engaged to... Mm say congratulations no way yeah that's amazing so. <laughs> i can't say i've ever been called by a famous person yeah that's yeah. awesome and the first guitar that uh, alan ever got he got from robert duvall for his birthday really his 10th birthday yeah so they were that close yeah that's he, impressive he came to paris he did yeah. and gave him the guitar and gave him the guitar yeah over he lived in spanish oaks apartments he went oh. to the spanish oaks and gave alan his guitar when's something. the last time he spoke to him oh it's been a minute yeah probably doesn't have a, have a contact for him no oh. not really we took a trip to new york city early on in our marriage and went to see the producers of the movie okay but that's as close to the contact the circle. Yeah. As, yeah we've got awesome well okay back to you so we'll start at the beginning and, and there's a lot of cool stuff at the beginning where were you born Okay, so I was born in Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Bangladesh, yes. There's not like a Bangladesh, Texas. It's like the Bangladesh. Correct. Okay. Yes, it used to be East Pakistan or Pakistan, some okay. people say. And so, and then it changed to Bangladesh. Okay. And it is on the, if you look at a map, it's on the east side of India. So India is kind of in the middle. Okay. Bangladesh is on the, which side would that be, right? East. I'd have to look at a map. <laughs> the other side is just Pakistan. Okay. Yeah. So why, why were you uh, living in Bangladesh? Okay. My father was a diplomat in okay. the foreign service. And so he, um, he, he was born and raised all over, mostly in Oklahoma and Arkansas. Joined the army when he was 16 and went overseas to Germany and different places like that. So when he came back, he... Um, Decided the only way he was going to go to college was to, of course, join the army, and they paid for his college, and then he joined the Peace Corps okay. after he graduated from um, college, and then I guess that was his first kind of contact with third world countries and that kind of thing motivated him when he came back to join the Foreign Service, and so he and my mom got Married, went to Bangladesh, was his first post. That was his first post, mm -hmm. okay. He, in the Peace Corps, he had been to Bangladesh. Okay. And so he went back there um, as his first post in, in the Foreign Service. Now, how long 
were they in Bangladesh after you were born? Um, my dad is a mover. Um, he, growing up, he, his father moved quite a bit, so I think that's kind of in his blood. So we, we moved every two years. Okay. Yeah. Every two years. So you don't remember Bangladesh? I do not. As a, as a kid. Okay. No. So l as a diplomat, did that have different types of like like housing like what did that look like going from place to place okay so a lot of people when you say you're a diplomat they kind of think like you're a um an army brat okay you know so when you when you go overseas in the army and that kind of thing you're usually on a base somewhere like base housing that kind of yep. thing in the foreign service you are in the community okay so he was in an agency called the united states information agency which is no longer um, a part of the State Department, okay. but it it originated in in the 70s and went till I think 1999 is when it went out. But they were supposed to basically do public diplomacy overseas for America. Okay. So what they wanted their representatives or diplomats to do was to live in the communities that they were trying to reach out to. So okay. every house that we lived in was not an army base, was not on a like secluded American spot. It was in, in the community. In the community. So, so we had we had servants that were that were part of the community that became like our family. Oh, you know, that's amazing. we were we were very involved with the culture. Did y'all like learn the languages every time you moved? It's so shameful to say. <laughs> but my dad had to learn every language. He did? Yeah. Was he good at something like that? Um he he was apparently pretty good <laughs> but now i mean like it, it's all mixed up in his head like he knows a few words of this and a few words of that but the the way that it went is you had language training before you were sent over to oh, the country so okay. that you could at least communicate on a conversational level gotcha um so he did but of course we moved so often I mean, we knew little words, but we never really got fully immersed enough to learn the language. So how many, do you remember the number of places you went? You know, uh, I was trying to recount before coming on here. I think it's eight. Eight, so you eight lived in countries, eight, eight countries. And then numerous places in the States. Do you have a favorite? I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, you know how in your life, um, wherever you have kind of, had the most intense experiences, mm -hmm. you know, at certain points in your life, that's where you're gonna like land for, that's my favorite place yeah. kind of. Um, probably Norway, okay. because I was a teenager there. Okay. So lots of good memories and things like that yeah. are associated with that place. But I mean, Africa is beautiful. Um, India, we live there. I what, mean, just what exotic. Food, what was the food like in India? Oh. I, I loved it. I've always heard it was one of the hardest places to get used to. Like, it's oh, not really? bad food. It was just so different that it's hard to get used well, to. Well, most food of there. our travels were in the Middle East, and so oh, okay. we were used to that. Let me tell you a story. Um, so my mom tells this about me. So we were in India. I was probably a three. Mm -hmm. And um, we had dinner very often in, in the dining room. We would be served, you know, by our cook americanized food okay. some form of that but and and she said you would just like sit there and kind of pick at it da, 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 da. and then i'd find you later 
out in the servants' quarters with all the servants eating curry. Really? Yeah. And so they would, what, how they did it, it's like a family-style thing. You know, they use their hands to eat. Um, and so I would just be squatted down there with the rest of all of the people who were, you know, our house workers and things like that, just eating curry. That's awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So uh, another question out of all of these places, what, what was the scariest moment or scariest thing that's happened to you in, in all of those okay. experiences? Um, probably Afghanistan. Okay. Um, so we were supposed to be there for four years, which would have been the longest post that I had ever, you know, lived in. So I was very excited. Okay. I thought, oh gosh, you know, I'll, I'll get to, to be there, you know, longer than a minute. Um, but it was right around the time the Russians invaded Afghanistan. And so we were there when that happened. We had only been there probably six months. And so the first indicator was that when we went to the school, uh, to kind of, my parents took us on a little tour of the American school there, and the people there said, you'll need to bring um, a sleeping bag and three days supply of food that we need to keep here at the school in case there's a riot in town and we can't get you back to your parents. We'll be going over the mountains this way and we have a safe place and we'll just take your food and your, your this was the first time. And how old were you at this time? I, I was 12. And so that was the first thing I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. And then, of course, the longer we were there, there were, um, you couldn't go outside the town because of um, uh, curfews that they put on everyone. Really? So you had to be in your house at a certain uh, time. I think it was 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, something like that. Or you, you could get shot. You could get taken to prison. You could whatever. Um, and so there was a night that my parents had gone out, left me and my sister at home and, um, with our, I guess she was a nanny. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was watching and it was getting really close to that time and they weren't home yet. And so I was really of course, scared. very scared. Yeah. And my parents had said, okay, if anything happens, this is what you do. Push this piece of furniture in front of the door, the front door, take your sister and the nanny and go to the back bedroom, push this other pieces of, of furniture in front of this door and stay there and we'll come get you. So my son's 11, <laughs> my oldest, and I cannot, I mean, he'll be, he'll be 12 in January. I cannot imagine telling him that mm -hmm. and him reacting well. Yeah. So that was kind of scary. Yeah. Yes. And then of course, when the Russians started coming in several, you know, we would hear gunshots in our backyard. There would be helicopters coming down with searchlights in our backyard at night. Tanks would go by our house, you know, while we were sitting there eating lunch. You'd see tanks just roll by in front of the house. So a lot of things that now I think, oh my gosh, what, it, what was I thinking? Yeah, you know, right. I remember looking out the window and thinking, wow, there's a lot of tanks out there. But, and feeling nervous, you know. For sure. Um, a couple of times we had to be taken from school in the middle of the day and a driver would come and get us. We would have to get down in the bottom of the, the floorboard, floorboard yeah. so nobody could see us um, as he drove us home. So, Man. <laughs> those were scary times. I can only imagine. Um, okay. 
positive note. So are there any, do you have any friends or people that you, like you had met or are known through that time that are still your friends today? Um, not from younger years, no. Okay. Not uh, even, Nor- Norway, you Norway, were older. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. still have some Nor- yep. Norwegians? Well. Is that right? So, Norwegians? Yes, that's what they're called. Um, in Norway, it was kind of a different situation because you know it's Europe that was the first European country we had ever gone to my dad most of the time would go to high-risk areas because they paid more obviously and he had more of experience in in that area of the world so towards the end of his term in the Foreign Service my mom you know of course after we got uh, evacuated from Afghanistan because we were we had three days to pack everything and get out and then we were transported out. My dad had to stay there uh, until the country completely shut down. So after that, she was like, no more Middle East. Okay. Well, we went back to Pakistan. <laughs> and then which, after, is still, still. which is still Middle East. Um, but then after that, she was like, absolutely no. And so we went to Europe. Got you. And so um, the, there was an American school there. Everybody speaks English in Europe. Yeah. You know, and so most of my friends were... American kids okay. at the American school, gotcha. either oil company kids who were over there, um, army brats, or foreign service, military, state department, that kind of gotcha. thing. So they're all Americans, basically. But you did have some friends that you're still in contact yeah, with from those that. kids in, 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 that I went to school with there, yeah. That's still cool. That's several. really cool. Yeah. How, did you have siblings? Yes, I um, have a younger sister and brother. And how... How well did they take the moving and did they, was it easy on them? Yeah. I mean, uh, my brother is nine years younger than, than I am. And okay. so he didn't have quite the Experience. upheaval mm-hmm. um, as we did. He um, only lived in a couple of countries gotcha. before my dad retired. Um, but my sister and I, I mean, I think we both had similar experiences. We were very, we enjoyed it. We yeah. You know, I mean, if you asked her now, she's, she would probably have the same kind of, you know, feelings about her childhood, that it was great, that it Mm. was, um, really gave you a different view of life, you know? Got you. Um, I think everybody needs to experience one foreign country in their life. I agree with that a hundred percent. At least. I've, I've traveled several times to foreign countries and I've enjoyed it and I've been both in really poverty-strucken areas yeah. like Haiti, and I've been in much nicer areas as well. And both sides, it's yeah, it's people should be able to experience something outside of their local community, right? Um, just just to see it. Yeah, and it gives you a different perspective of of your own smallness. Yes, here you yes. know, and sometimes it helps you interpret your experiences differently because you know that the world out there is so big so big you know and so it can't i think it helps you in a lot of ways yes you know i agree with that okay so explain to me how you ended in paris okay so um my parents retired here and how so how old were you when when they retired uh i was in college okay yeah okay so i moved back for the first time permanently when I went to college. Okay. Um, and then they were still, they weren't overseas. His last post was in Hawaii. 
So okay. um, I went to my freshman year of Nearly college. Nearly overseas. Yes. I mean, it is over, kind of. it's over a sea, but like, yeah. <laughs> you get what we're saying. Yeah. So they were still in Hawaii. Um, I had gone there my freshman year of college, and then I moved back to the mainland um, okay. because they were getting ready to retire and come back. So, okay. um, so you were one year in Hawaii? Yes. Okay. One year. And then I went to a small uh, school in Arkansas, okay. which my mom is originally from Arkansas. So... Um, they were moving back. They had land in Montana okay. that they had bought in amongst all of our travels. And they also had land here in Texas. So they went to Montana after re uh, retirement to see if that's where they wanted to settle mm -hmm. and live. Um, they made it one year and decided the winter was too much and we're going to sell the house and then move back down here to Texas, which is where my parents mostly were in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas area. Gotcha. Um, and so basically they were in Montana and my dad had done all this investigation about where, where the taxes were better. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, all that kind of thing and threw like four different places into a hat that they might want to move mm -hmm. and had my brother pick it out of the hat. No way. Yeah. Are you serious? Yep. We had and no it was contact with anyone here. And it was Paris, Texas. And it was Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. Okay. So they drove, they packed everything, drove from Montana down to Mount Pleasant, looked around, didn't really like it, came up here and said, yeah, we like it here. Bought a house and have been here more than 30 years. So, and you, were you with them then or were you in college? No, I was When this all was all going down. Okay. On my own, yeah. Um, so. So my brother was the only one that really lived as a Parisian. Got you. So um, they had been here a couple of years, I guess. And I was working at a college in Pennsylvania. So you went from going to, did you go to that college? Or no. You, um, so you graduated. I graduated then, and then I, I actually was going to be an actress I really? wanted to be an actress, yes. <laughs> so I moved to Florida. Did you do any acting? No, I mean just stage acting. But no. I was in—I was—I was an extra on a show in Hawaii one time. That's cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so you're—you're you're both movie stars. Yes, aren't we though? <laughs> Not really. I walked by a couple of times on my movie star role. <laughs> That's more than I've done. <laughs> anyway, so um, I was in Pennsylvania. I had moved up there with some college friends. Okay. The college went under. The went whole back, college? Yeah, bankrupt. Wow. And so I tried to last, but it's really expensive on the uh, East Coast to live. Yes. And I had had two roommates. Both of them went separate ways. One got married. One went to graduate school and moved out. So I was like, I really don't know what to do. So I came down here to visit my parents. Okay. And we're, was going to kind of regroup and figure out. Was where this I your to go. first time to Paris? Yes. When you, that that visit was, yeah. what they was had your, already moved. What was your first like thoughts of Paris, Texas? I will never of? live here. That was your first thoughts. <laughs> you're driving into Paris to meet your parents, well, and you're like, No, I don't know if I said. But I I always thought I would live overseas. I mean, my whole life was overseas. That I makes never sense. thought I would live in a little tiny town somewhere. I thought I would be in a, either a city or overseas or something like that so I thought I'll just go hang out with mom and dad okay and figure out you know I'm gonna move to Dallas or wherever I didn't know okay so how long did that last mm -hmm. so I was here for the summer and 
Alan tells this story on on the podcast with him, but my is your, dad is your side better. Is your version it's, better? It's, well, it's different. Okay, <laughs> I want to hear your side. <laughs> so uh, I was involved with theater, you know, in yeah. in college and in high school, and so my dad was uh, looking through the paper, I guess, and said, "Hey, they're having tryouts for a." play down you know at the community theater why don't you go down there maybe you'll make some friends or something like that and I had nowhere I didn't have any plans of going anywhere right then so I said okay I'll do that so that's where I met Alan Um, and I was sitting by some guy filling out my audition sheet and Alan came and sat in front of us and the guy next to me was flirting with me he got up and went somewhere and Alan turned around and said you shouldn't trust him. He's not good. He's not a good guy like that. And then, you know, of course, we started talking. I feel like I can hear him saying those words. Yeah, because I have a plan for you. So was, okay, (laughs) was the guy really not good or was that his way of like sidelining him? Yeah. Oh, okay. Basically. Um, Now, did you, so did y'all both get a part in the, in the? Right. I mean, some of this is in the other podcast, but I'm going to ask questions. Yeah, he got the main role. Okay. uh, The main hero part. And I was a dancer. Okay. So we spent the next few weeks, you know, dating and together and having fun and all that. And Now, were you thinking you were still going to leave? Yeah. Yep. And um, then the closer the end of the play got, we were like, uh, well, I guess I'll stick around. I'll see if I can get a job here. And I got a job at PJC. Okay. And so um, I continued on. I, I can't even remember. I guess he was still... In college, because I'm older than he is, and um, so he finished up college. We got married, and then moved to Austin. Moved to Austin. Yeah. So, what, like, what was y'all's plan to do in Austin? Um, I don't know. I think we wanted out of Paris, you know. And he had never really, uh, since the movie, the movie was the only time that he had gone anywhere outside of Paris. Gotcha. And so he was like, "Yeah, let's go." have an adventure. Let's go, you know, see some stuff. And okay. we had friends who had moved down there. My brother went to UT. And okay. so we had some familiarity surrounding Austin. That's so awesome. We went down there. Um, what, what, did you have a plan for what you wanted to do career wise or no, just, I have always been like, you know, so when I went into college, I had never had a job. Mm-hmm. You know, we lived overseas. I didn't drive until I was 19, you know. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, because <laughs> I couldn't drive overseas. So uh, anyway, so I was like, I had, I, I had known that I wanted to experience life, yeah. you know, and maybe I didn't know what I wanted to major in, but my dad was pretty insistent that I was going to go to college and if he, if I wanted him to pay for it, I was going to go right now. Gotcha. And so um, I went and I took every, you know, all your basics, still couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. The beginning of my junior year, I just basically flipped through the catalog and went, oh, this looks easy and picked public relations. Okay. Which I never intended to do anything with. <laughs> Did you think that after y'all were married that you, y'all might still go overseas? Um, again, you again for you. I, I didn't know. I, maybe kind of. Um, you know, Alan's stepdad is from Iran, mm-hmm. and so he kind of has a connection to 
um, outside the box yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I thought maybe, maybe, you know, and he thought about going in the Navy once, you know, when we were first married. Okay. And so he was open to overseas or different kinds of, of living. So maybe there was a thought that we might go overseas, but I, I don't ever remember thinking, yes, we are absolutely going to, you know, go. But I, I didn't think we would live here. You didn't? No. So how long were y'all in Austin? So we went down there intending to just, I mean, to live. To live? Yeah. Forever? And we were there for less than a year, and I got pregnant. And then I tried to, you know, plow through, yeah, we're going to make it. But then the closer I got to having the baby, I was like, eat, my mom's not here. Yeah, that's what I was say. You don't have family there. Yeah. Yeah, anything like that. And then by that time, Alan was kind of done. Uh, with being a little fish in a big pond instead of a big fish in a little pond. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, let's go back to Paris. Okay. So we came back to Paris and then started having kids. And, and so how many did you have in kids. this time frame? You had three boys, right? Right. For no, four. Four boys. Four boys. Goodness. Yeah. I can barely handle three. Yeah. I can't imagine four. Yeah, four. So, um... And then we, I know he told you on the other podcast, then we went to go adopt our daughter from Ethiopia. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did y'all, how, like, how did y'all decide to go to Ethiopia? Like, how, tell me a little bit about that. So, um, you know, my mom worked in orphanages overseas when we were living there. Okay. And my, my parents had actually adopted a baby from Vietnam when my dad was serving there. So in the midst of the foreign service and all that, the Vietnam War yeah, yeah. happened. And so we came, my mom and my sister and I came back to the States. Mm-hmm. My dad went to Vietnam. And while he was over there, um, from what I understand, I, I don't know the exact connection that happened, but there was a little girl that needed to be adopted um, that he felt called to do that. And, but sadly, as he was bringing her back to the States, she died from Aww. pneumonia. And so we never got to see her, but so adoption was kind of in there with my family yeah. in, in a kind of way. And then my mom, of course, worked with uh, orphanages. So I think all the time I was thinking I probably, that would probably be in my life somewhere. It's just been heavy on your heart. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but when I started having kids, of course, you just kind of life goes, you know, and you never really find the opportunity. And we were you know, still really young and, and not making a whole lot of money. So it was kind of out of the realm of thinking that we could even afford to do anything. And I was very drawn not to domestic adoption, but to overseas, overseas yeah. because of, of your past. Yeah. past. yeah, that makes sense. So after four boys, it just kind of came to a, a place where we were like, okay, this looks like I still wanted to have more children. Mm-hmm. This looks like a good place to kind of talk about adoption. And so... At that time, China was huge mm-hmm. in adoption. That's where I thought we would go. I mean, I always had in my mind a little Chinese girl. I don't know why, but yeah. that was always in there. And so we started investigating different agencies and things like that. And then we started seeing that China was like a two-year wait. Um, a lot of money. You had to make several trips. Um, we looked at Korea. That was... Um, uh, financial things yeah. there. You had to make a certain amount of money. Um, so things started kind of like 
you know, closing mm-hmm. doors started. Uh, yeah. So we had already picked an agency and then all of a sudden I had called and they had said, well, you're not going to qualify for this and this. And they said, we just opened up in Ethiopia. We have our program there that just opened up. It's new. It's pretty quick. And um, the availability is strong there. And so we just kind of switched gears and which is interesting because I don't know why we didn't think of it because, you know, I lived in Africa. Yeah. I went back on a mission trip after college to Africa. My my sister at the time was married to an African-American. Alan's little sister is married to an African-American. So we already had like a, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, kind of representation yeah. in our family. And I was like, why didn't I, I? I guess it just never occurred to me. So we went the Ethiopian All the signs now. were pointing. Yeah, pointed to there. Yeah. But I was just thinking China just because it seemed like the greatest need was there at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, so that's how we landed on Ethiopia. And it was about nine, ten months from when we first filled out paperwork to when we went to go get her. Tell me about that. What was picking her up like? Like the going there and like tell um, me about that. Well, you know, we went with we went with five other couples, so there were six families going to the same care center, is what it's called. Okay. So most people would think of an orphanage type situation in most countries, but in Ethiopia they don't have any. Um, There's there what they don't have social workers. They don't have like those organized. Uh, things to look after orphans okay. over there. And so they have in, uh, individual agencies that come over that set up smaller care centers. So it was basically a big dorm, okay. but it only had like 50 kids. You know, not like what you would think of like in Russia mm-hmm. where they would have hundreds and hundreds of kids in lined up in cribs facility, and yeah. all that. It was not like that. Okay. And so... Um, we went over and um, spent the first day there just kind of mingling with all the children and, of course, meeting our specific child. They Our, our agency placed us with a child, so we didn't pick her. Okay. Um, some countries, like Russia, you go in, they bring in a bunch of kids, and you pick which one you want. Okay. We were not, not- up for that. We did not want to say, oh, it's not like a puppy, you know, where you're like, oh, see which one approaches you and then go with that one, you know. Um, So we just allowed the agency to pick her. They they put us with her and we were initially going for a baby, but um, we were also open to sibling groups. So on the age bracket on when we filled out the paperwork. They said, if you're open to a sibling group, because, of course, we wouldn't want to divide a baby from yeah. another yeah, no, you know, no. brother or sister. So you have to put the age range up to three, four, whatever. So because we widened our age range, then they, they put us with all children in that area. And gotcha. she just happened to be a single three-year-old. Okay. She was not an infant. Okay. So she had just turned three when we went to go get her. And she was just cute, cute, cute. little girl. <laughs> And not afraid, was not it, afraid of me at all. She was kind of suspect of Alan. I feel like a lot of children that age can be that way yeah. with men. Did yeah. he have a beard? Uh, did he? Because I feel like no, I, he did not have a beard. I feel like I'm a really friendly, friendly person, and I love children. Right. And like I go up to them, and they'll instantly be afraid of me. Yeah, it takes me a few minutes of loving on them before they like yeah. warm up to me. But I think I think she yeah I think she was just 
of course, in the care center, all women looking after them. Yeah. So probably it's just easier. It was easier for her. Was it, was it love at first sight for y'all? Um, I, it's very weird because I felt like I was in a fog the whole time. Yeah. I mean, like it was surreal, like going through it, like you're, it, they're telling her, this is your mom, you know, oh. because she's not a baby. There's a different dynamic that happens, yeah. you know, she's a toddler and she can speak and they're, the ladies are saying, go, that's your mother. And she's just walking up to Does me. she have any memory of that? No. Okay. We have video of it, of course. But, um, but she's saying, Mommy. But, I mean, I don't know what she's thinking. Yeah. I don't know what she's thinking about those women telling her that. Because they primed them before. Right. You know, but she's only three. What does a three-year-old know? Right. You know? Um, she had been in, in the care center for six months. Away from her biological family yeah um but she never she never cried she cried when we left because we we left her the first day they wouldn't let us take her so she had some like attachment yeah, to y'all right I think away so because we stayed there the whole first day with her and of course I, I i sat with her at lunch and um you know kind of fed her a little mm -hmm. bit we played with her all that kind of thing so when she went down for her nap that day and we left, she was very upset. And that, and that had to feel good a little bit, right? Yeah, but just heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we were, she was just, ah, don't leave don't me. Don't leave me. I you just, know? I just attached yeah. to you. Don't go. Yeah. So um, I think she, and she never even looked back. I mean, there was another poor family there. Their little girl screamed and cried every time they would pick her up. She so, was terrified. I, I came back. I, w I went on a uh, mission trip to um, um, Beijing. Mm -hmm. And we came, when we flew back, there was a, a family that yeah. was sitting. So it was a th there was three rows, two window rows in the middle row. I was on a window row, and there was the, the, the family was in the middle row. And they had just adopted a baby. And it was a long flight for everybody mm -hmm. that was close to that family because that baby was not ready. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it was heartbreaking because they were trying so hard i know yeah um, i mean we, when we came back from ethiopia our entire flight was filled with adopted kids and oh, families so there were probably 20 of those of of those families on the flight thank god because we weren't the only ones having to battle. everybody's living through everybody's that you know, with you crying babies and all that kind of thing so that was that was good the second part of the flight was not so good because we were by ourselves with her and oh. she was not having the uh, seatbelt mm. on the airplane. She did not like that, and she was up and down and kicking the chair and all of that. We gave her Benadryl. We she wouldn't sit and watch movies. We thought, oh, she'll be fine, you know, because it's like long flight. Yeah, she'll just watch this. Didn't no. want to have anything to do with the television, the you know, movies, nothing, no nope toys or anything. And finally, she fell asleep. But that was that was a rough flight. <laughs> <laughs> but she never, I mean, she never cried. She never did anything. She was like, come on, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. That's amazing. Yeah. It was very strange. Does it feel like she's, I don't know if this is the right way to ask this question, but does it feel like she's acclimated where, well to America? Like, Well, you know, she's 16 now, so... <laughs> I don't even want to think For about that. For all intents and purposes, she is American. Okay. <laughs> I just don't, I don't know. Like, I, 
I've never experienced that. I don't have any adopted siblings. Right. I, I've never adopted a so, kid. Very quickly. Okay. Within probably six months, she learned to speak English. Okay. So she didn't know any English. That's interesting. Right. So she was speaking. Well, we were riding around Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, and with her. And so we were asking our driver, "What is she saying?" Because she would look out the window and, and say something. Blah, 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 yeah. You know. Well, there's like 80 different dialects in Ethiopia. So the driver didn't even know what she was saying. Oh, man. And so we had learned uh, Amharic, which is the main language of Ethiopia, thinking, well, we'll be able to At least you know, communicate a little bit. Yeah. Well, she didn't know what we were saying. And so it was basically just uh, sign language, you know. Do you need a drink? Do you want something to eat? You know, for six, well, for, well, like for the phasing initial, in for six months. months. Yeah. yeah. And then, but right when she got back to the States, she, of course, her brothers were TV junkies, you know, so she's right in there sitting, watching TV. And within six months, she knew English perfectly. Now schooling, what, how did you do schooling? Well, I mean, I've homeschooled on and off okay. all my kids. And so she was initially her first, uh, you know, up to fifth grade was all homeschooled. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was the case. I think Leah told me about that, yeah. that, that you had homeschooled. So I was, yeah. was going to ask about that. So. so so, you taught her English and that's in six months. The TV taught her. The TV taught her English. <laughs> I didn't months. teach her. <laughs> I mean, we didn't. I'll sit- try to give you credit. Yeah, don't give me any credit. No, um, we didn't sit down and have lessons. But honestly, you need to get credit because, as I, I love anyone that can teach because I try to teach my kids things, and it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Sometimes it's hard for parents to teach their their own children because right. they're just more rebellious with their parents, yeah. and a teacher tells them to do something exactly, but. but I know my kids and I'm like, I send my kids to a teacher for, you know, a full day. And I'm like, bless you is all I want to say, because they have what, 20, 24 of those other kids that are just like my kids in their class and they're able to teach them. It's crazy. But for you to be able to teach all your children from home, I I also admire that because I've, I'm literally, so yesterday, no, it was Saturday, my son I'm trying to teach him how to edit film because mm-hmm. uh, he wants to do his own YouTube channel. Yeah. And in the past, I've just done it with him and done it or slash done it for him. Right. And I've told him now that he has to do, like, if you're going to do it, you have to do it. Right. And so I was t- trying to teach him how to, to edit a video and patience was getting thin, you yeah. know, and, and this is something that's not even like that he, he could use in the future, but it's not like. English, math, science, history, like it's not all of those things. And for you to be able to teach your own children that it's, it's inspiring. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, I mean, it, it's a lifestyle that we chose to live. And so I'm not saying I was a great teacher. I mean, I used curriculum. It's not like I came up with some inventive way. No, no, no. But the patience alone. And which, you know, I have plenty of stories about not being patient, and I'm sure you could ask my kids about that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but for the most part, you know, we enjoyed that lifestyle. And so yeah. I just kept doing it because we like to be able to take off whenever we wanted to. Yeah. We like to be able to, you know, spend the afternoon outside, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so 
you know, it was more of a lifestyle choice. And then the the farther I got into it, of course, then I started getting t- tired, yeah. you know, when the girls came along and, and Zeke, the youngest boy. And so mm-hmm. we kind of changed up the way that we did schooling with them. The first two were homeschooled all the way through. Gotcha. And then we just did different things with each of the kids. Gotcha. Um, from, from that point on. But no, she, uh, she just learned English pretty much by you know, osmosis of just being around it. When you're around fully it, immersed. Yeah. She's now got brothers kid. that are talking and yeah, yeah. TV that's talking and exactly. parents that are talking. And yeah. that young, you, yeah. you get it Sponge. just like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And awesome. so it was, there was never kind of like a, a time of, uh, you know, stress of yeah. trying to communicate her, with her and thing like that. It was more yeah. about bonding with her emotionally yeah. than anything else. Gotcha. Just because as a, it, it's different from an infant to a toddler, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I kind of felt like I was babysitting her yeah. for a long time, you know, instead of, oh no, she's, she's mine, mine <laughs> you know? And so the, the more years that go by, of course that, that happens. Away. Yeah. 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 So, but she's lovely. She's a wonderful young lady. Yay. And, um, you know, just has acclimated well. She was very sensitive at the beginning, but soon learned that the Hubbard family is not that way. <laughs> you better buck up. <laughs> That's hilarious. So now she's teaching her little sister. Oh. Don't be so sensitive, Don't truly. So sensitive. Get over it. And I'm like, you used to be exactly like this. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so I have another question. We're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. Okay. Um, so at some point you're, you're back in, uh, Paris, Texas Mm -hmm. and a very close friend of both of ours comes into your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you met Leah Emerson. (laughs) Um, she was just a little girl. Uh, my husband was, um, the youth pastor slash worship pastor at Mount Olive Baptist Church. Okay. Um, and she was part of the youth group. And, you know, so she was, I guess, 12, 11 or 12 when I first met her, something okay. like that. And so just part of our life there at yeah. church. We were there nine years. Um, and so... Um, no. Do you... Do you remember? What? That's a bad word. Don't say that, pastor's wife. <laughs> it's funny. Um, no, so I mean our wait, she grew up you know, around us. And then, um, just been a part of, of our life for a long time and came to visit us in Austin while we lived there. And of course she'll tell you that, you know, we talked her into going to Australia. (laughs) So what she's told me is like that y'all are like one of her biggest supporters, like a second family. And that um, y'all have continued to love on her through her going to Australia and coming back and supporting her and starting her own business. And 
and just kind of being her cheerleaders through her whole well, from she's, from I mean, twelve she's year old to now. Friends, I would say she's one of my best friends. Aww. So it's kind of it's been interesting because I'm like I keep saying why are you my friend? I mean, you were a kid, you know, and she's so much younger than me. But, I mean, I think we've, I just, she's, we're simpatico. <laughs> well, I love her. I love her. I love her. I think she's amazing. She is, uh, I mean, she just does what she says she's going to do. Yeah, you know, so that is not very true. There's not a lot true. of people yeah. that are like that. And, um, and I, I have several friends in my life who are like that. And so I guess I'm just attracted to those kind of friendships. Well, but that just... and you being so involved in her uh, later teen life, I'm sure a lot of like what, what you bestowed upon her helping raise her. I mean, obviously not raise her like her mom raised her, but right. being involved in her life growing up, I'm sure she gained a lot of that from watching you and... and the example that you've led maybe maybe i hope so but she's her own person she just i mean yeah yeah. there's no doubt about that there's a lot i mean there's a lot of times that you know definitely some talks that we've had late night talks about stuff going on in her life and you know what she should do but i never felt like i was some kind of you know guru no no but but we talked through a bunch of stuff and then figure it out you know, what are you going to do? And that's really what friends are, right? Yeah. Like, that's what, uh, that's what my friends are to me. Right. Right. So, so it kind of, it, it passes through that whole, you know, my youth pastor's wife I'm coming to for advice mm-hmm. to let's talk about it as friends. Friends, yeah. You know, because, I mean, she'll tell you now that I come to her, too, saying, yeah. what am I, I don't know what to do, tell me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, anyway, I love her. She is pretty amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk just real quick. We're we're landing this plane. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about life now. Like where where what's going on in your world now? So, um, uh, my my kids are all out of the house. Mm. I mean, my my as far as like we had still have three living at home, but they're in school, so gotcha. I'm not homeschooling. Um, I haven't been for a couple of years now. Um, I've substitute taught in at North Lamar and Chisholm and at Trinity where the girls go to school. I'm trying to kind of find uh, what I want to do now, I guess, um, what it, my place is. Is there a vision for that? No, like, what, not You really. don't have an idea yet? No. I mean, I kind of bounce around. Um, you know, I don't. At this point in life, you're kind of like, you know what you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not real hip on learning anything. <laughs> you don't want to go back to school? Well, I would go back to school, but not for anything you could use. <laughs> I'd probably go, you know, get my master's in anthropology or something like that. But, um, you know, so getting back into the work world, like a career-wise, is kind of hard right now. Yeah. Um, just because I would have to really redo my thinking about life because I still want to be there for my kids, you know, um, for as much as they need me. I mean, I've got a 10 year old still, so it's a ways to go before she's truly independent, Yeah, you know? So I'm just kind of a little bit floating right now, looking for something part time to kind of fill some spaces and still want to be available to my parents, um, here, you know, visiting with them and, 
as they get older and um, making memories with my three younger ones, you know. That's awesome. So, and hopefully grandchildren sometime in the future. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> it's not even on the horizon it's not? right now. Aww. No. Mm-mm. No, they're living their lives. Just speak it and will it into. Yeah, you think I can? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many? Of, how many of your children are married? None. None. None of them are married. No. No. That's what I'm saying. It's not, not even, even it's not, not even close. Even I've got one with a girlfriend. One with a girlfriend, but mm. but they're saying they're not having kids. Oh, so. oh, oh. So this is the problem you have, you know, when you have a big family, they either go one way or the other. They either follow you in saying lots of kids yeah. or they go no kids. No kids. <laughs> I'm not doing so what you're saying is, how many, how many got, that are, are eligible for marriage? Like how am I old enough to be? Three. So there's three boys out there that yeah. are single. Mm-hmm. If there are any nice girls that are listening to this podcast <laughs> that need a date. Yeah. <laughs> we've got three eligible men right well, now. Well, one has a girlfriend. Well, okay, one has a girlfriend. But so the two. oldest and the third. There we go. And the third one lives here in Paris. There you go. Yeah. So. We'll get him hooked up. He's got a good job. Good job. Very stable fun loving guy <laughs> <laughs> oh this and is he'll fun. kill me and he's gonna kill you yeah. we won't say his name it's elijah. <laughs> yeah it's elijah <laughs> okay just know that i didn't say that <laughs> don't get mad at me uh that's okay well savannah thank well, you for broadway thank you for being on my podcast it was thank a lot you. of fun. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed having a conversation with you. Yes. I think this is the longest we've ever talked. Yes, it is. Yes, for sure. It is. In a straight, in a straight line. Right. So. Right. Well, <laughs> thank you again. All right. You have a good day. Bye, guys. Bye.